Grace you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word of God that we hear this evening is from the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 55, often known as Mary's Magnificat, the song of praise that Mary sang after coming to her cousin Elizabeth's house. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Mary is in a bit of a pickle here, isn't she? She's pregnant, but not married, and it's true, it's the Savior of the world, but if she tries to tell anybody that, it'll just make things worse. Anyone except her cousin Elizabeth, anyway. We know from the Gospel of Matthew that Joseph didn't believe her and was thinking about putting her away secretly. From every human point of view, she had a difficult challenge ahead of her. And of course, Simeon reminds us that, yes, it's going to be difficult even after Joseph knows the truth. It's still going to be difficult for Mary. He announces that a sword will pierce her own soul. It's quite a bit of reason for Mary to be a little afraid, maybe even to despair. What's going to happen to her? What's going to happen if she loses her fiancé and if everyone despises her? And yet her song that we hear, that we read tonight, is not a song of despair. There's no sorrow or despair or sadness. There's no woe-is-me feelings in it, is there? But only joy and rejoicing at the wonderful promise that God has given to her, despite the fact that it will mean a difficult time for her. Mary glorifies God in this song of praise. The central theme of her Magnificat is the that, that truth that the fulfillment of God's promise of sending the Messiah is going to bring justice. It's going to level the playing field, bring down the high and mighty, and, and lift up the low. And that, that truth, that that justice and peace that Mary sings about here means that those who might face difficulty, those who maybe have things that seem like a good reason to despair set in front of us, nevertheless don't need to be afraid, but can rejoice because Jesus is born. Despair not. Your Savior is here. Mary talks about some of the reasons we do not need to despair. And one of the things she mentions is that 
It's that we do not need to despair because his name is holy. Verse 49, for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. Jesus' name is holy. That truth is commanded by God in the second commandment. It's prayed for by us in the first petition. Hallowed be thy name. It's commanded by God. It's prayed for by us, not because God's name needs any help being holy. God's name is holy. But because we need help remembering that God's name is holy and honoring it in our own lives. It is commanded that God's name be holy. It is prayed for that God's name is holy. And it is confessed by all the saints that God's name is holy. Psalm 111, verse 9. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. That truth, that confession, that commandment, that Jesus' name is holy, gives us assurance that we do not need to despair. Because if his name is holy, he will do what is right. And he will set right that which is wrong. As Mary sings in her Magnificat, those who have exalted themselves, who have climbed over the backs of others, who have stomped down and mistreated those that they can in order to reach lofty heights, they will be brought low. And those who are the downtrodden, whose faces are pushed into the ground by the high and the mighty, who might see a life of despair, they are lifted up by the grace of God. This is not done because the lowly are good and the high and the mighty are evil. Lowly or high, either way, all are evil in the sight of God. This isn't done because some are good and some are bad, but because he is holy, because his name is holy. And if his name is holy, then he comes to make us holy as well. To lift us out of the depression of our own sin. To lift up those who are bowed down in grief with the knowledge of what we have done, to lift us up with that forgiveness of sins, to bring down those who refuse to acknowledge their own sin, who think themselves righteous in themselves, to bring them to the knowledge of repentance. His name is holy, and so he he comes to give holiness as a gift to us all so that we do not need to despair. All too often, we might find ourselves in this life in a situation where we think we need to make things right. We see something that doesn't seem fair to us and we feel like it's our power, our place to to make sure things are even. And yet, how often do we have to actually accomplish that? when we find out that we can't make things right, when we find ourselves powerless against those who we think are doing wrong, that again might often lead to despair. What's the point? It's unfair. But of course we failed. Of course we can't make it right because our name isn't holy. 
We, we are sinners too. And when we try and level things, when we try and make things right, we just usually just make things worse. But Jesus, his name is holy. He has come to make right that which is wrong. And there are, even when we're in that situation where it seems like, no, oh, reason to despair because of the injustice that is done to us or to another. Instead, we put our trust in the name of Jesus. He might not seem to be making it right at this moment, but that confession that his name is holy gives us the assurance that he will. And so we don't need to just despair, but instead we can rejoice in that, that truth of him who has come to us. Mary continues, oh, we don't need to despair because his name is to be feared. Especially verse 50, his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Like the holiness of Jesus' name, the fear of the Lord is also commanded. You should fear, fear, love, and trust in God above all things and prayed for. And Proverbs reminds us the fear of the Lord is the, is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is that standing in awe before his glory, before his holiness, before his, his power, to recognize the, the fullness of his holiness and his power. The fear of his power is, is seen too, isn't it? The disciples saw the power of, of Jesus when he stilled the storm, when he raised the dead, when he healed the lame and the blind. Mark 4.41 They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Right now we have a tornado watch in our county. and Imagine if the tornado were to touch down and we were standing outside right, right in front of it. Imagine seeing the power of that tornado. That would be a, a fearful thing. But of course the power of Jesus is, is far greater and it would be something to be afraid of, except for the fact that Mary reminds us his mercy, his mercy is on those who fear him. So that power is not something we need to be afraid of. We fear it, we stand in awe of it. That's what the word fear means in this context. That is incredible. But we are not afraid of it. Because his mercy is on those who fear him. If we set ourselves against Jesus, then we will be afraid of that power. But if he, through his power, calls us to repentance so that we're not set against him, but are now on his side, well, then that power is not something to be feared, but something to cause us great joy. Isaiah reminds us, right, even the, even the young men will faint, but <clears throat> those who wait on the Lord... He shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. If we set ourselves against that power, we would have need to be afraid. But Jesus has come to bring us his mercy, to bring us the forgiveness so that we're not against the power, but instead that power is lifting us up, strengthening, strengthening us for whatever difficult, for the difficulties that Mary has ahead of her, for whatever difficulties we have ahead of her, so that we don't need to be afraid or despairing. Because the, the power of Christ that is behind us. 
Kaylee's speech therapist just this morning was telling us how her, her, little, her new little puppy was uh, at first afraid of the Christmas tree. He ran away from it and, and was barking at it, right? And I suppose from a puppy's point of view, a Christmas tree is pretty big, pretty scary, and, and filled with lights. But pretty quickly the puppy learned that the tree wasn't going to hurt him. The power of Jesus is something that we would need to be afraid of, except we have learned that Jesus doesn't come to, to bring judgment to hurt us. His mercy is on those who fear him. So instead of despair, we rejoice. And Mary continues, we do not need to despair because he humbles the mighty. He has filled the hungry with good things. The rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Those who are against us, or at least it seems like they are a lot, the power of those who are against us is sometimes a reason to, that, that might cause us to despair. Imagine how helpless you would feel if King Herod was trying to kill your one or two-year-old child. And what are you going to do against the strength of the king and his armies? Maybe something to be despairing of. And yet Mary, in our text, like the prophet Elisha, knows the truth that those who are for us are greater than those who are against us. That Jesus brings down the greatest, the mightiest, the most powerful, so that even though it may look like there's no hope, we don't have to despair. Because he who is on our side is greater than those who are against us. We might despair, for example, of, of ever overturning laws that, in, that give license to kill unborn, unborn babies, for example. We've been fighting that fight for how many years, and how are we ever going to reverse that law as much as we'd like to? We might despair, we might give up, say, oh, it's hopeless. But the Lord promises to, to bring down those who, the mighty who set themselves against him. We don't have to despair. He will humble the mighty. This humbling of the mighty includes us, though, as well, doesn't it? And that also is a reason for, for rejoicing. There are many, many movies, many stories about those who gain too much power so that they become too arrogant. They puffed up above themselves. A lot of the, those Marvel movie superheroes, right? That's a common theme there. That, oh, they, they become evil. They start out good, but, but they be, become evil. And there are many, many stories along that line, some fictional, but all too often there are some that are, are true as well. It's all too often, well, we don't have to you know, worry about superhero powers making us destroy the world or becoming evil in that way. But it is all too often that we have a tendency to get above ourselves, to think too much of ourselves, to let things go to our head, and the Lord has to come down and prick our bubble, so to speak. Oh, we have a wonderful Savior who, is, who does that for us, a Father who loves us, who teaches us a little humility when we need it, like the Apostle Paul who had the, the thorn in his flesh, so that he, may, he would 
to keep him humble, to keep him in the faith and in his service to the Lord. We might not like it so much when the Lord does that. A lot of times it seems to us from our point of view like everything is going along really well and everything is going our way and then something happens we don't like so much. Well, sometimes that's the Lord bringing us a step back, teaching us that humility that he promises here. And a wonderful thing, that our Savior loves us enough that he's going to rein us in when we're maybe falling away from him so that we learn that repentance. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He has filled the hungry with the good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He humbles the mighty who oppress. He lifts up the downtrodden. When it seems like what's in front of us is too much, when we might be tempted to despair, we remember Jesus has come. We remember his promises to us of love and mercy and forgiveness. We remember his promises of, of justice. That we, we don't have to make sure that we level or make sure that people get their just desserts. We can accept whatever comes in this world looking to what is ours in the next. There is no reason ever to despair. The Lord is holy. His power is to be feared. He does humble the mighty. It might be long years yet before we see the fulfillment of what Jesus promises us here, but we know it's coming. And therefore, we have reason to rejoice always, as Paul reminds us, and despair not. Amen.